good afternoon, Sangha. Can you all hear me? So, today for our Brahma Vihara, our Metta instructions, I'd like to start by doing a little guided meditation. Actually, based on, um, it's definitely mainstream Brahma Vihara Metta, but it's based on the work of this uh, really wonderful guy. His name is uh, Lama Dr. John McCransky. And he is a Tibetan Lama, or a uh, Lama in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And he's also a professor of Buddhist studies at Boston College. And Sarah just told me she's currently reading his book, Awakening Through Love. And he does uh, metta practice a little bit differently, and it has been very impactful for me. So I wanted to share it with you. I think it's particularly useful for people who sometimes might have a little bit of um, resistance to sending metta to self. So let's try it for a while, and then I'll ring the bell, and then we can have some questions and answers. How about that? Okay, so get comfortable. Oh yeah, I'll tell you one more thing about this practice. Uh, He teaches it as a response to compassion fatigue. A lot of us working in the helping professions have what they call now compassion fatigue, or even vicarious trauma. Many of us who work with people who are highly traumatized and to have a lot of needs, we can get burnt out a little bit and have nothing to give, yeah. And he's developed this approach specifically to help that. But it could be true of, that's how we feel sometimes towards the people who are in our lives every day that just kind (laughs) of, or is it just me? (laughs) Who test our patience a bit, right? Okay, so let's get comfortable. So the first thing we want to do in this practice is to think of a benefactor. And um, I think it's useful even if you have any a positive relationship to any spirituality that you were raised with. It's, it's you know useful sometimes to go back to that tradition to find a benefactor, uh, like an archetypal benefactor. I actually like to use the Buddha, and, um, but I also will use um, indigenous uh, divinities. I, I love Prajnaparamita too, I really resonate with her. But you could use the Buddha, or you could use Jesus, or you know, someone who is still alive, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, who I guess just celebrated his 82nd birthday. Uh, you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the uh, Virgin of Guadalupe, also known as Tunancin. Uh, Deepama, we love Deepama, who is one of our spiritual grandmothers. Um, Nelson Mandela, or... Um, the Reverend Martin Luther King, or maybe um, 
Pope Francis, or if there is someone in your life that you have felt unconditional love from, you can also use them. But let's start off with a benefactor. And if it feels comfortable to you, I would like you to place the benefactor behind you. Sitting behind you, maybe a little raised looking down on you. You're seeing your benefactor, you're feeling them. And now you can feel that they are sending you unconditional love. They're repeating the phrases to you. May you be safe and protected. May you be happy and peaceful. May you be healthy and strong, however that shows up for you in these bodies. May your life be easy. And maybe their unconditional love of you, maybe it takes the form of maybe a cloud of pink or blue material that just is enveloping you. It's so dense and strong that you can see it. They are communing with you in all of your goodness and your, in your very being. And they're seeing you beyond any limited perceptions you have of yourself. Gazing at you with loving metta, with loving kindness. Wishing you deeply well and free from suffering. They're seeing every inch of your body, every cell. They see your entire heart. And they're just saying, I love you. You are so beautiful. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May your life be easy. May you give love and receive love. And they are seeing every little inch of you. And they're seeing all of your memory as well. So they know that everything you've ever done in your whole life. And they're just smiling and giggling and saying, I love you. (laughs) 
I see everything and I love you unconditionally. To every cell in these bodies, I love you. May you be safe from inner danger and outer danger. May you be peaceful May you be strong, however that shows up for you. May you live with ease. May you give and receive all the love that you need. Just imagine these loving benefactors behind you, sending you the deepest unconditional love. Your body is surrounded by a wave of thick acceptance and benevolence the immeasurable metta. And they see every part of you. Imagine them sending you the phrases and maybe rose petals dropping on your head. Their benevolence is so strong. It's so magical. Now, Let yourself become conscious of any physical pain anywhere in your body or any anxiety or pain in your heart. Just let your awareness feel that for a second. Physical pain feels like this. Heart pain feels like this. And now imagine that your benefactor is behind you, 
and he, she, or they see this pain. And they are, they have such strong love for you that when they see your suffering, that metta or loving kindness automatically takes on a karuna or compassion flavor to it. And your benefactor is saying, Oh, I see your suffering. I see your suffering. I'm holding your suffering with kindness and wisdom. Let me hold your suffering. May you be free from suffering. May you be free from suffering. Your benefactor is behind just sending unconditional acceptance. They see all of our unpleasant physical sensations, our unpleasant mental experiences, the pain in our heart. And they're still just loving. I see your pain. I'm holding your pain with kindness and gentleness. May you be free from pain. I love you. Let all of your feelings be embraced in this compassionate energy from your benefactors. Every part of you loved. And now imagine that by accepting this loving, healing energy into your own suffering, imagine that you are accepting it for all the beings that are suffering on this planet. The benevolence of the benefactor is for you and for our exquisite club of other beings who are suffering. Now imagine, based on an awareness of your own physical or mental pain, Imagine what it's like for other people in the room who have the physical and mental pain. Based on your own, how must it feel for other of our sangha sitting right here? How is that for the rest of us? Unpleasant sensation feels like this. 
It's not personal. And imagine beyond this room, maybe people in your life, maybe some relatives or friends that you know are suffering. Imagine getting in touch with your own pain, what it must feel like for them. Suffering feels like this. And then connecting with the benefactor. Feeling their love. Hearing their intentions for us. They're evoking love and healing. May you be safe and protected and happy and strong. May you live with ease. And imagine that you are channeling that to other suffering beings in this room. Channeling the benefactor's love. Unconditional acceptance. And then channeling it beyond this room to our friends and loved ones, maybe the community that we work with. May you be safe and protected. May you be peaceful and happy. May you be healthy and strong, however you can be right now. May you live with ease. May you love yourself completely, just as you are. May you accept yourself completely as I do. I love you. And sending those wishes out, channeling the benefactors, love and compassion. Just rest in those sensations. And if there's no sensations, just rest in the image and the phrases. I care deeply for your suffering. I'm holding your suffering with kindness and gentleness. 
May you be free from pain, pain and suffering. Feeling that in every cell of your body and then channeling that out to all of our loved ones and others that we might not know but that we know are suffering. May you be well. May you be happy. May you accept yourself completely. channeling benefactor love. You can add a few more benefactors. I think that the devas of Spirit Rock really love metta. It actually says in the metta sutta that the devas love metta. So let's call in the Spirit Rock devas and the Miwok and Aloni ancestors and let them love us and any other benefactors that have meaning for you His Holiness the Dalai Lama maybe someone in your life who was really present for you imagine them behind you with the Buddha or Tunansin or Prajna And now there's twice as much love and acceptance. And the devas are doing a little dance back there. They're so happy to be here with you. Just loving you. Just as you are. May you be safe. May you be at peace. May you accept your body and know health and strength even in the face of disease and illness and aging. May your life be easy. May you have everything that you need. And channeling that love out to our Sangha here. And to those we know who are suffering. I love you. I'm holding your suffering with kindness and gentleness. May you be free from suffering.
Now I'd like you to recall a moment that you're not very proud of. Maybe something that you've done that you're not very, you might even be ashamed of that. This is a forgiveness practice. So something that you would like to be forgiven for. Just bring that to mind. How does that feel in the heart? How does that feel in the body? Regret feels like this. Shame feels like this. And just how you're feeling it, imagine how that might feel for our Sangha in the room. This is what shame feels like in me. This is what it must feel like in you. And now recall that we are being held in absolute love and absolute compassion by our benefactors behind us. They are seeing every inch of that. Feel yourself embraced in a compassionate energy. Every part of you loved. Every single little part of you loved. I care deeply for your suffering. I'm holding your suffering with kindness and gentleness. May you be free from suffering. May you forgive yourself. May you forgive yourself. May you forgive yourself. And imagine that by accepting this loving, healing energy into your own suffering feelings, that you are accepting it into the suffering feelings of all the others in this room. This love, this forgiveness, this understanding. We're accepting it for everyone who has regret, for the exquisite club of humans who have made mistakes, this exquisite club of beings in all directions are feeling this unconditional acceptance, this unconditional positive regard Yes, healing feels like this. 
how does it feel in your mind? Forgiveness. How does it feel in the body? What other feelings come up? Buddha is sitting behind us. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, is sitting behind us. And Jesus and the Blessed Virgin Mary and Tunansin, the indigenous female benefactor, all of the devas are sitting behind us, just holding us in absolute love. I love you, every inch of you. I forgive you, forgive yourself, open up to the love. Feel the healing and then offer it to all the other suffering in this room and all of our family and friends and community. May you forgive yourself. May you feel loved. May you be at ease. May you give love and receive love. Radiating metta, pervading metta in all directions above, below, and all around. To all as to yourself. And now imagine for the last minutes of this sit, that your benefactors are walking towards you, and as they get close to you, they're melding with you. You are becoming one with all of your benefactors. Imagine that they are becoming one with you. And now you are emanating that unconditional love to yourself. And if someone is 
quietly snoring next to you, give them a little love tap. (laughs) And our benefactors are inside. And uh, we are the benefactor. And we can feel the unconditional love for ourselves. May this heart and mind be happy. Be healthy and strong. May this heart and mind know total acceptance and love. Non-separation. The intimacy of interconnectedness. The intimacy of love unconditional. And send yourself phrases for a few minutes. May I be safe from internal danger and external danger. May I be happy and peaceful. May I be healthy and strong, however that is possible. May my life be easy. May I give love and receive love.
So I'm going to put a, um, a one-page sheet at the end of the retreat with all of my favorite Dharma resources and a link to John McCransky will be on that sheet if anybody's interested. Any questions or comments or insights anyone wants to share? How was that for you guys? So she said that um, maybe with a little advance notice she would have been able to find a benefactor. That it was hard to find a benefactor. Sometimes that can happen. Yes? Um, all the benefactors that I have are t- you know, teachers or any beings who really taught me mm-hmm. you know, through a book or lecture, whatever, you know, in mm-hmm. life. But I don't really get it, unless it was a living teacher. I don't get that connection. They really love me unconditionally. You know what I mean? They don't know me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't feel connected. Right. Yes. So it's she said... It's hard to receive that. To receive it? Yeah, because I don't think... I don't think I feel... He doesn't know me personally. Right. Thich Nhat Hanh. Oh, yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh. But you know what? I know for a fact that Thich Nhat Hanh loves you. <laughs> I know he has incredible compassion. Right. You know, through all the suffering and tortures he went through. Right. And I love every single his poem. Yeah. But I don't get it. He really... Right. Uh, yeah. Unless so, I want to see him. Right. So the comment is that there is an idea that unless the person knows you personally, how could they love you? Right. So, do you want me to tell you my most recent experience of this? And I guess this is okay. I'm probably not going to make this avail. I'm not going to make this recording available. So I'll tell you. <laughs> so I sat a retreat in November of 2016 with this probably the most enlightened person that I ever met personally, and it was actually Ajahn Suchito. Some of you might know him. Yeah, Ajahn Suchito. And I, I had been listening to his talks for a long time, and, um, but I had never sat with them. And I'm the kind of person that I, ne- I hardly, I actually never get intimidated. I could meet like the highest, fanciest person and I wouldn't get intimidated. But when I met him, I felt a little bit intimidated. And um, so in my first interview with him, I was telling him of some struggles I was having in my life. And I actually started, you know, the wambulance started. I started crying a little bit. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was, I felt like someone had put a love blanket around my body. And I actually was shocked. I could feel love around me. And I actually was shocked, and I looked up, and I looked in his eyes, and he said, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so it was just an acknowledgement that he was pervading love that I could actually feel. It was really incredible. And I got to tell you, whenever I went to see him, I, and you know, I'm sure that he didn't even, 
it didn't matter to him what my name was, and he didn't know my name at the end of the retreat. It wasn't about that at all. But every time I sat with him, I think part of what I was sitting in, and this is a very overused word, and there's probably a lot of other words for it, but it was a non-dual space, so there wasn't two things there. And because of that, I felt more loved and more seen and more held than I had ever felt with anybody else. And it didn't matter that he didn't know Bonnie at all. It was that there was not two things there. Does that make sense? That really makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. So that was an incredible epiphany for me that this is what the immeasurable feels like, you know. Because I was looking at more from conditional love than, you know, inclusive love. Right, yeah, it's a totally different thing. When there's not two things there, it feels really good. (laughs) So, yes? So she was. Uh, she said that um, she brought in her own personal vipassana teacher, and then brought other um, symbols of unconditional love. Is that what it was? Well, other actual beings in form, but they're very expansive. Right, very expansive beings. Right. 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 So she brought those, them to mind, and, and you felt the love, you felt the deep, just total acceptance. Like, there's, there are no others, you know? Yeah. So it was helpful? Yeah, it's great. It broke the heart up. <laughs> <laughs> we love the open heart. Thank you. Yes? <laughs> yeah. It's just way too much. I was just going to like burst into a puddle. So I, I made it a manageable flow. And then about the middle of the meditation, I, I got the phrase, take Jesus into your heart or something. That's not the tradition I came from, but then the Dalai Lama jumped into my heart. Ooh. And, but then I had to make him small because it was too much. But he's, so he's there, but he's like really, really small and Right. So, um, did you guys hear her? She said she, um, that she started off having, uh, imagining the Dalai Lama behind, but it, but it was like, was it too much love? Was that it was what? just overwhelmed. Is there such a thing as too much love? Is there such a thing as too much love? Is there such a thing as too much love? What does that feel like? Overwhelmed. 
Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm, and I'm so happy that you know that. I bow to your wisdom of yourself. That's excellent. Yeah. Because, you know, that's another part of this practice, of samadhi practice, with, which is what we're doing, and purification practices, that we're all our own coaches. And that's an excellent example of that, that you were able to be your own coach and know what was uh, the best thing for you in the moment. So, yes, that's excellent. Oh, and I want to share with you one other thing that um, Ajahn Suchito, or actually I'll do that in my Dharma talk, what else he shared. It was great. Other questions or comments? Yes? Mm-hmm. And I, I wondered about that, and I realized that it's it's a, a it's a, an inability to let in and an inability to trust. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about how I, whenever I go somewhere, I sit, you know, with my back to the wall, and you know, I just like, wow, you know, there it is. And and this is a, a, a being that I had a very deep experience with, but. Didn't, wasn't able to do that. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Yeah, that is. So what she said was, or they said, or he, sorry about the pronoun. <laughs> um, um, what they said is that um, she put his holiness, right? No, it was Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus behind. But then it was uncomfortable to have someone behind you. And that, so did you put them someplace else then? Yeah, face to face. So. Right. So it, initially, it was hard to put a benefactor behind, and then changed it out to be face to face, and then that got to be a little bit more comfortable. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Another example of us being our own coaches, right? Figuring out how it can work for us in the moment. Yes? There are definitely things that I'm ashamed of in my life and regrets that I have, but maybe it's because of all the metta practice um, the past few days. It really was hard for me to actually feel the shame and the the regret. It was just, it was like, um, like saying, you know, I put the spoon down on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just words and then the acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. So um, they said that um, when we were trying to remember something that we were ashamed of or something that we had done that maybe had caused harm, you might have had a memory of something, but you couldn't feel the, yeah. Yeah, the negativity or whatever, the negative response. And you know... I'm sure many of you know about the Abhidhamma, right? The um, Buddhist psychology. And according to the Abhidhamma, there's only 52 mental factors. There's only 52 things that can be happening at the mind at any time. And at the end of the retreat, that piece of paper will have a link to the, to the Abhidhamma 52 factors. So don't think about it now. 
And, and two of those factors actually are incredibly wholesome, but they don't feel, you know, they're not positive Vedana, they're not pleasant Vedana. And I find, I, actually I know a few yogis have already had it, and it's very common for it to happen in retreat, and those two things are called Hiri and Otapa, which are uh, fear of wrongdoing and shame of wrongdoing. And that's very, very different. They're very wholesome qualities, but they're different from guilt. I mean, guilt is all about us, right? It's us and maybe us not living up to our own expectations or not being the person that we want ourselves to be. It's very self-focused. But Hirian Otapa is really focused um, externally on, wow, you know, I don't want to be the cause of harm or pain for anyone. And they're actually very wholesome. And those often, in fact, I know some of you have said that you've been started replaying things from your past, and that's not an uncommon thing to happen, particularly in a metta retreat, because that's one form of purification, actually. And that's not a bad thing. It's good. You could even name it, ah, Hiri and Otapa. Good stuff. So, you know, we still have eight or seven days, so you never know. And those are actually insights that happen. And, you know, any of these things that are steps towards freedom, we're not doing it. It's not our egoic process that's doing it. It's not our thinking mind that's doing it. When we're able to let go of thinking over and over again and rest in awareness and in the process, something takes over, the path factors take over, and the progress of insight happens and it carries us along. And we can just trust that that's happening and let go of trying to make anything happening because it's all happening on its own. And actually trying to make something happen is a direct barrier to surrendering to the process. Does that make sense? Yes? Yeah. Well, you know, I had actually, I had one insight about that in this very room. How long ago was it? Who knows? But I was actually sitting um, the second half of the March retreat here. And I, for some reason, for a couple days, I was feeling energetically all this metta in the room. And I think some of the teachers said, you know, there's a lot of people who are just doing metta practice on this retreat. And I had this insight, and I'm going to describe it to you, but it, it wasn't a conceptual insight at all. It was that ultimate and relative reality separated. And within ultimate reality, I saw that wisdom, and what is wisdom for? Wisdom is all about reducing suffering, right? How is that not compassion? And I saw that the two are absolutely not separate that wisdom and compassion are, and you know, maybe conceptually we distinguish them and parcel them out for some useful purpose, but that, um, I think that speaking to your, I don't know if there was a question there about that we're trying to do something. I think what we're trying to do is just 
what we're doing is setting an intention. It's like we have a field here, and the field is full of a lot of weeds, boy. A lot of weeds of greed, hatred, and delusion. And every time we set that, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, you're planting a seed of a very wholesome mental quality of acceptance and benevolence that is totally uh, conjoined with wisdom. And, um, you know, that's a very wholesome thing. But, you know, you might want, there are, you know, there, I've seen this in myself that sometimes I want the bliss of jhana, jhana. And, you know, I want the bliss of, um, you know, really strong states of concentration. And that is really unwholesome to want a certain thing to arise. But just to be patient and set that intention over and over again. And then let go of how it turns out or what it looks like, I think. Does that make sense? I mean, there is a... And sometimes, you know, I'm greedy for something and don't even realize it, right? I mean, that's what delusion is, not knowing what's in the mind in a moment. And that happens a lot to all, a lot of us. So maybe giving ourselves a break on that. But, you know, there's a difference between effort and success. Effort is wholesome. And we can do that. But success, who even defines success? You know, the ego defines success. Trying to let go maybe of that part of it. And stick with the intention over and over again. That's one way. I'm sure there are other ways. There was a couple of uh, announcements. What were the announcements? Right, so one of the announcements is just, and, you know, we totally appreciate that people have needs in the middle of a sit that they might have to get up and leave, but we would ask you, if you can help it, don't get up and leave. But if you have to, we totally bow to that. But there, um, and if, if you do have to leave, definitely finish the sit outside of the hall, if you can. And come on time. And um, what other announcements were there? You all know that you'll be seeing, uh, you'll have two more interviews, right? You'll have two personal interviews. I'm sure that everybody was told that. There'll be three total interviews. And uh, please show up for your interviews. Or let us, you know, the managers, or leave us a note about why you can't. That's important. And um, I guess that's about it for now. And uh, about the walking. Oh yeah, right effort is really excellent. You know, not too much and not too little, right? That's another expression of the middle way. If you don't like um, walking, I love what Temple said, do it anyway. (laughs) Because... You know, part of our suffering is that everything in our life is imperfect, impermanent, and impersonal. And the second error of wanting it to be different. Can we just surrender to the fact that sometimes we don't like walking and we're doing it because the intention is very wholesome? You know, a reflection on imperfect, impermanent, and impersonal. 
sometimes can ease the second arrow of our suffering, wanting it to be different. So have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.